You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. A lot of people have dreams and ideas about changing their work or starting a business or going back to study something new. Especially now as we're in the midst of people reassessing how, where and why they work. But not so many have actually planned their finances to support these dreams. Today, I'm talking to Patrick Venn, a man on a mission to help people create financial peace of mind. We'll be talking about Patrick's transition from corporate to entrepreneurship and what financial forethought has allowed him to do. So, Patrick, thank you for joining me today. Um, We're here to have a very important discussion. One, I think, which um, a lot of people will need to consider if they are looking to make a change either now or in the future. So thank you very much for taking the time to go through this with me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. So, Patrick, we're here today to talk about preparing for transition and what that really means in terms of how you need to start thinking about your finances. So I'm just going to ask you to give us a kind of an overview of what that really might look like for someone who is either planning a career change or who wants to start a business of their own. Yeah, so I have experience with uh, actually not preparing for a transition, but then also actually preparing for a transition. So I think I've kind of experienced what it's like to kind of not have a plan and no preparation and also how beneficial it can be to actually have one, especially from a, a kind of financial perspective. And I think the one way that I really like to look at the career transitions, especially from a finance perspective, is when you're about to make them is kind of look at yourself like your own business a little bit. So for me, maybe being Patrick then limited and actually looking at what resources you have to last during that transition that you're taking. Because one of the things I've definitely noticed taking several in my lifetime is usually it's kind of like a building site. It always takes potentially a little bit longer than you may think. If it doesn't, that's fantastic. That's all upside. But usually in my experience, it doesn't sort of happen perfectly or seamlessly. So I think the way I like to look at it is like treating myself as a business. So, okay, the resources I have available, aka money available, how long could I last making this transition? Mm-hmm. So if you're making a transition where you literally go from a salary to, to nothing, you're sort of living off of just your savings. You go, okay, I have 10,000 in savings. I spend 2000 a month. I can, my runway as a person is five months. That's what I have. And mm-hmm. then what you can start to do, and we can dive into this a little bit deeper, is then you can start playing with the two levers. Okay, how could I reduce my expenses or maybe earn a bit more on the side? To, actually make that runway quite a lot longer for yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really um, that's really interesting. Even the idea that it's not just a, a simple picture of, OK, I've got X amount and that lasts Y number of months, that there are things even, I guess, um, for people who are doing this on the proverbial shoestring, that it can be made into a longer shoestring. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. And it can be, you know, something as simple as, okay, could I, if you're living with a partner, could you just for a very short time, maybe not go 50-50 on the rent? I've done a situation where I've gone 60-40 or 70-30 with a partner just for this really short window while I'm making that transition. The sort of next step for that is, you know, could some people actually move home for a little bit? If it's just a three or six month window, usually housing is our single biggest expense per month. So if we can get that down a little bit just for a couple months, again, it just extends your runway. You're probably Mm -hmm. going to be dealing with a lot through a transition, a career change, and having sort of financial anxiety on top of that is not particularly helpful for anyone. No, no, I, I can see that. Now, uh, let me let me ask this uh, kind of from another um, angle. If you are in a position where you're thinking, you know what, I just don't think I can do this for another 20 years. I probably can't even do this for another five years. But I don't want to throw caution to the wind and, you know, just throw the toys out of the pram and leave. What sort of what would be a, a minimum time with good planning and um, good financial skills in, in place that people might be able to create that cushion that they need to carry them over to something else? As you say, the longer the runway, the better, but we sometimes don't want to wait 10 or ten or 20 years, as you just suggested. So I think the timeline that has given me usually enough warning is kind of that 12-month mark. It doesn't, it's not sort of a perfect definitive line, but I always felt, you know, just three or six months might not be enough to kind of really plan ahead, save a little bit more, stack your emergency fund to kind of make that escape or that transition over. I always felt that usually if it was around a 12 month period, that would probably be long enough for me to adjust some of my lifestyle habits explore some of the things I just suggested about sort of Mm -hmm. cutting costs and maneuvering things a little bit, and then also just actually saving a bit more through the process, knowing I'm going to have this transition coming up in the future. So as a rough benchmark, I always like to think for me personally, a year has always been a good good kind of strategy to go with. Mm. And of course, we're in the middle of this thing that keeps coming up, this great resignation where so many people seem to be at a point where the frustration with the way things are is um, outstripping their desire to put up with it. And that, I guess, again, this this seems to be something that um, could be made a lot easier by thinking about these things in advance, by knowing that, okay, I've got X amount of time. But you know, there's there's something about this as well that it's it's like, are, what are the other things that we, we, we need to be thinking about here? Because, uh, you know, age seems to have a big effect on this as well. You know, if you're young, free and single, as it were, or if, you know, you don't have a couple of kids or you don't have a mortgage yet, this seems to be almost an easier equation. But when you get to that stage where you do have kids, a mortgage, pet insurance, <laughs> school fees, maybe all of those things... This is is it a lot harder at that point? I think it is, to be perfectly honest. The more yeah, liabilities that you have, people depending on you, whether especially around kids and things like that. I think when I said that year, I was definitely talking from my own personal experience where I have a partner, but I don't really have a mortgage and kids. So I inherently know that I have a lot more flexibility than maybe some people that are listening to this. So I think the honest answer is I think the more commitments that you do have, 
does increase that window of foresight of when you need to plan just because there's so many more things that you need to take into consideration and mm. yeah things that you need to plan for on the horizon you can't just kind of uh, up and up and just kind of leave the great resignation especially when you have a lot of people depending on you potentially financially in your mm. household so i i think it is more challenging the more of those things that you have like a mortgage like a house cars kids all of those things make it a bit more challenging um, mm. And I think you just need to think about extending that runway a little bit when you plan to make that transition across. Mm. Yeah. And of, of course, the other aspect of this then as well is the emotional, isn't it? And I, I don't know what your experience is with, with clients coming to you, but I imagine that many of them will have very emotional responses and reactions and maybe even... Um, let those get in the way of having the open and honest conversations that they need to have in order to put the the things in place that will allow them to do the things that they want or that will make life better. When you're saying that, do you mean like a from an emotional perspective or like emotion around money and finance perspective or even parking the finance to the side for a minute and just the pure emotional part of it? Do you know, I think it's actually a bit of both because, you know, your emotions on the one hand may be running high if you are dissatisfied with the work that you're doing. And then you maybe come with a whole other sort of bag of rocks that's to do with with your um, your money issues. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things that I've noticed with clients that I've worked with. There's there's a couple of big emotion things like things that I uh, trends that I've seen amongst people. And one of them is definitely that they'll have the golden handcuffs that they're kind of called. Mm -hmm. So I've experienced this in the past and my clients have as well, that especially if you work in maybe a, a sales environment, maybe there's a lot of bonuses, a lot of commissions uh, attached to things. I had a, a bonus check that would come out once a year and you would only get it if you stayed to the next year. And so what that tend to do is have people just kind of chugging along, maybe doing something that they don't fully love, but they know they have that big carrot at the end of the year, that that pot of gold that they're always kind of indefinitely chasing. So that's mm -hmm. kind of a golden handcuffs thing that, that a lot of people struggle with about maybe letting go some of that potential financial upside to take something that is maybe paying less in the initial terms but you can always tend to kind of work up and get back to where you were. But that's a huge blocker, the golden handcuffs for people of giving up something financially immediately in order to take something less. It feels as almost they're like they're taking a step back from the progress that they've actually made. But in reality, a lot of these transitions are a transition across. They're not necessarily a transition back. So that's one of the big things that people kind of tend to come to me with is that golden handcuff scenario. And then the second one that's probably less financially motivated is especially people who've spent, you know, a longer period of time, you know, 5, 10, 15, even 20 years in a particular field, maybe getting to a certain level of uh, seniority and leadership. A lot of their personality is tied up into that career and, and that's a part of their identity. It's definitely happened with my wife who spent 15 years in investment banking. That's all she knew. That's the only thing that, that, that she kind of knew. And it was part of her identity. So she was thinking, if I ever make a career transition, I'm losing a big part of this. Was it all for nothing? Was it a waste? All these kind of emotional questions is when you make those transitions really kind of do come to the surface and bubble up. Yeah, yeah. That, that example of your wife there is, um, is really 
pertinent, I think. And I've seen this as well myself, you know, and um, I've seen people who have spent, as you say, X number of years in a career, and then they have to represent themselves as something new. And I know this isn't strictly related to the financial aspect of it, but there is something as well, you know, that it's almost like until I've been paid or until I've been, uh, I've I've made a living doing this thing, then I'm some at some level I'm I'm not quite there. I'm not quite it. No matter how well qualified or how talented or whatever, there seems to be this thing. Right. Well, I was at this level. Um, <laughs> I said pointing to the air, um, <laughs> and and now I'm only down at this level in terms of the recompense that I'm getting for the hours that I'm putting in. So. I guess that's something as well that people have to contend with when they make a transition that is about fulfillment, um, maybe as well as about finance. Yeah, we naturally in our society have these like the sort of checkboxes of of the the levels that you were talking about uh, getting to. And and finance and salary is one of those indicators of how, quote unquote, successful you've been in a particular field. It's one of the benchmarks that we all kind of naturally, naturally use. And it's really important that I reiterate towards the people that I work with is that, you know, your net worth isn't your self-worth. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it's not the indicator of how important you are, how successful you've been. It's, it's detached from that. And it can feel a bit demoralizing. I have been there myself to go from a higher salary to a lower one. As I just mentioned, mm-hmm. it can feel like that step backwards is a bit of bit of a like a, a regression if you will in your in your career but one of the things that i'd noticed when i took the salary reduction to do something else actually how much more of another resource that i actually got back into my life mm-hmm. so the previous job that i had that was really high demanding and and a, probably a higher paying salary sapped up almost all my time it sapped up my energy that i couldn't bring to my own personal relationships or my family relationships so although financially it was probably a rewarding job, I was actually giving up a lot to do that. Mm-hmm. And when I made that transition across, yes, the number on my payslip went down, but I got a whole lot of other resources back that I didn't have previously. Yeah, and this is this is where knowing what your values really are comes into it, isn't it? In your actual value and the value that you know we see on the payslip, and then the the values that we want to live for, yeah. Um, just again, um, one of the things that I'm reminded of at this point, Patrick, is one of um, the posts that you had on uh, LinkedIn recently, which we've already discussed, and that was the the one about the side hustle. And of course, the side hustle for a lot of people is uh, it tends to be in their minds maybe related to that thing that you're going to build into another business or that is going to be the thing that you eventually jump to. But you had another take on it, which I was really intrigued by. And I think um, as a as part of the transition toolkit, shall we call it, it's it was really useful. Would, would you mind just giving us an outline of that one? Yeah, sure. So the post that I did is I talked about when I was making one of my career transitions, I actually took up a part-time job at a local Spanish restaurant about Mm. 20 to 30 steps from my front door. I used to go all there all the time with my, with my wife. And we really loved this restaurant, beautiful food, really small, intimate, locally run. We, we just absolutely adored it. And so when I made my transition over, 
I had that runway that I talked about. I had six months. That's how much my cash savings were going to last. And I started playing with those two levers of reducing spending and then earning more. That was the Mm. other one, earn more. And so I was trying to think of something that could add a little bit of money to my life to extend that runway. But I was also looking for something else. This was in the middle of the pandemic. I was working on a startup alone. I was quite lonely in my, my house. I didn't have that much connection. I'm so passionate about food and wine. And so like, I decided to apply for this job only thinking from a financial perspective, it'll give me a little bit more cash each month. But mm-hmm. I kind of underestimated all the other beautiful things that it brought, as I said, so more social connections surrounded by things that I was passionate about. And I think that's the biggest misconception of the side hustle is that it needs to be this big thing that you build on the side that you eventually jump to. Building Google out of your next, the next Google out of your garage or something to this nature. And I think that's the, that's the biggest misconception on the side hustle is it can be something really small really quite uh, manageable that brings you something other than just a financial reward to it. And, and so the, the Spanish restaurant was a perfect side hustle for me at the perfect moment in time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a beautiful idea, this. And again, one that takes a little bit of a mental um, kind of readjustment, I think, for people. And there is there is something that we probably have to accept that, you know, if we are... Um, starting again at some level or, you know, we are starting something new, then we have to be prepared to think of ourselves differently and think of what we're willing to do or want to do in order to bring about that um, that end goal. And, you know, I, I know people in their sort of 40s and 50s and so on who have made this transition, made a, a change or a jump, and they are, you know, doing things like being an Uber driver or working in um, working in their local shop or whatever. And I think maybe the one thing that I've come across a few times is that people are worried that if someone sees them doing this, that they will think, well, they can't be very good at the thing that they're telling me that they do if they're also doing this. Is what What's your take on that? So I can't lie. I had all of those feelings in the first week that I was working at that restaurant. I had that feeling of I would be mortified if not just a, a potential client, but even a friend or an ex-colleague or someone came in and saw me working at this restaurant. I went from working, you know, in sponsorship sales at Manchester United to now, you know, working nights at a at a restaurant. So I had those internal discussions going on with myself. And actually, the funny thing happened recently when I put that post out about on LinkedIn about that uh, me working at the Spanish restaurant, two or three of my actual clients reached out to me and said, how fantastic. And I thought that that was, I was really surprised at that. I had that feeling the same as you. Would they take me seriously if they knew I was doing that, my startup and this part-time restaurant gig? And it was it was the opposite effect. They thought it showed a lot of grit, a lot of determination to build this startup that you needed to do these other things. And actually, it had a lot more mm-hmm. positive spin to it than a lot of negativity that I thought was going to come along with it. And I think people have, have gone through their own transitions in life. Maybe it's a career one. Maybe I, I just feel so many people can empathize with that, where they've had to sacrifice something in some type of flux or change in their life. And they really appreciate when they can see that in someone else, like how, how hard they're working to make their, 
make their new career come true. It's it's almost been a, a bit of a positive versus a negative for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it really takes a a great deal of courage, I think, doesn't it, to to do that, to step off of you know your personal rung on the ladder, and um, you know not necessarily know where your foot's going to land for the next thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that um, is uh, is worth worth doing, I guess, and um, worth knowing that it's part of evolution rather than, you know, the, the, the straight journey <laughs> to the top. And I think once you do it once, I've, I've done this sort of transition probably three or four times in my life now. And I think when the first time I did it, I was like, I was so worried that I was going to be making, you know, the disastrous wrong kind of decision. And you realize that these changes, although they Maybe you have a bit of uncomfortable moments. They don't. They don't tend to necessarily break you entirely. And mm. actually, that the comfort that I've had, and and I've seen this with other people as well, is if you do take that transition across, and it just doesn't happen to work out the way you thought it was or the way that you wanted it to, I tend to find that these decisions, although they do seem like big life changes, do not get me wrong. A lot of them can be sort of reversed or changed, or you can step back into that field that you did before, because actually maybe you missed it a little bit. You thought you wanted this career change, but it wasn't quite the thing that you wanted it to be. And actually, it's okay to understand that and, and go back if that's if that's your choosing and that's what you want to do. Mm. But I suppose to wrap up, all of these things are um, definitely going to be a lot easier with a little bit of financial forethought. And um, what's the one for if if somebody is thinking about these things, Patrick, and they're going, you know what, I really need out of here or I need yeah. to do this thing that's in my head. What's the first step that you would recommend for them? For me, it's getting super clear on the cost of your life for one month. Mm hmm. Because that is going to determine your your runway big time. So when I determined that like I had I had around ten to fifteen thousand in cash saved, I knew for a fact that I could live not like Harry Potter under the staircase, not quite like that, <laughs> but I could live you know in a somewhat decent fashion for around two thousand pounds per month, just for the temporary. I had to cut down on things, but that was kind of. I budgeted that as that is how much my life costs for one single month. And from there, you can very easily calculate what that runway is and what you have. Mm -hmm. So I think getting super um, just aware of where those dollars and cents are going, where maybe you were previously a little bit looser because you had that stable income and maybe it was a little bit sort of higher, suddenly you're going to transition and that won't be there for you. So to get really clear on what that amount is that, that you are willing to survive on per month is, is a great single starting point. And then you can work out your runway from there. Mm, fantastic. Patrick, listen, thank you so much um, for taking the time to do this with me today. I know that we'll have plenty of links and so on in the show notes for people to find out more about you and your work as well. And anyone who is on LinkedIn, I would definitely suggest that you follow Patrick because his content is great um, and you will not be disappointed in it. <laughs> thank you so much. That's very kind. I appreciate you having me on. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. 
Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. Thank you.